0: Section number four of the Natural History, Volume Four. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Steve Mattingly. The Natural History, Volume Four, by Pliny the Elder, translated by John Bostock and Henry Thomas Riley. Section Four, Chapters Twenty Four. chapter twenty four trees the wood of which is highly valued four varieties of the ash it is for the sake of their timber that nature has created the other trees and more particularly the ash which yields it in greater abundance this is a tall tapering tree with a feather-like leaf it has been greatly ennobled by the encomiums of homer and the fact that it formed the spear of achilles the wood of it is employed for numerous purposes the ash which grows upon mount ida in troas is so extremely like the cedar that when the bark is removed it will deceive a purchaser the greeks have distinguished two varieties of this tree the one long and without knots the other short with a harder wood of a darker colour and a leaf like that of the laurel in macedonia they give the name of Bumelia to an ash of remarkably large size with a wood of extreme flexibility some authors have divided this tree into several varieties according to the localities which it inhabits and say that the ash of the plains has a spotted wood while that of the mountain ash is more compact some greek writers have stated that the leaf of the ash is poisonous to beasts of burden but harmless to all the animals that ruminate the leaves of this tree in italy however are not injurious to beasts of burden even so far from it in fact that nothing has been found to act so good as specific for the bites of serpents as to drink the juice extracted from the leaves and to apply them to the wounds so great too are the virtues of this tree that no serpent will ever lie in the shadow thrown by it either in the morning or the evening be it ever so long indeed they will always keep at the greatest possible distance from it we state the fact from ocular demonstration that if a serpent and a lighted fire are placed within a circle formed of the leaves of the ash the reptile will rather throw itself into the fire than encounter the leaves of the tree by a wonderful provision of nature the ash has been made to blossom before the serpents leave their holes and the fall of its leaf does not take place until after they have retired for the winter chapter twenty five two varieties of the linden tree in the linden tree the male and the female are totally different in the male the wood is hard and knotty of a redder hue and with a stronger smell the bark too is thicker and when taken off has no flexibility the male bears neither seed nor blossom as the female does the trunk of which is thicker and the wood white and of excellent quality it is a singular thing, but no animal will touch the fruit of this tree, although the juice of the leaves and the bark is sweet. Between the bark and the wood, there are a number of thin coats formed by the union of numerous fine membranes. Of these, they make those bands which are known to us as tiliae. The finer membranes are called filarii, and are rendered famous by the honorable mention that the ancients have made of them as ribbons for wreaths and garlands. The wood of this tree is proof against the attacks of worms. It is of moderate height only, but of very considerable utility. CHAPTER 26. TEN VARIETIES OF THE MAPLE The maple, which is pretty nearly of the same size as the lime, is inferior to the citrus, only for the beauty of its wood when employed for cabinet work and the exquisite finish it admits of. There are numerous varieties of this tree. The light maple, remarkable for the extreme whiteness of its wood, is known as the Gallic maple in Italy, beyond the Padus, being a native of the countries beyond the Alps. Another kind is covered with wavy spots running in all directions. In consequence of its superior beauty, it has received its name from its strong resemblance to the marks which are seen in the tail of the peacock. The finest kinds are those which grow in Istria and Raetia. An inferior sort of maple is known as Crassivenium. The Greeks distinguish the varieties according to their respective localities. The maple of the plains, they say, is white and not wavy. They give it the name of Glynon. On the other hand, the mountain maple, they say, is of a more variegated appearance and harder. The wood of the male tree being more particularly so and the best adapted for specimens of elegant workmanship a third kind again according to the Greeks, is the zygia with a red wood which is easily split and a pale rough bark other authors however prefer to make of this last a peculiar species and give it in latin the name of carpinus chapter twenty seven bruscum molluscum the staphylodendron but the most beautiful feature of all in the maple is what it is known as bruscum and even more particularly so the molluscum these are both of them tuberosities of this tree the bruscum preventing veins more violently contorted while those of the molluscum are disposed in a more simple and uniform manner indeed if this last were of sufficiently large size to admit of tables being made of it there is no doubt that it would be preferred to the wood of the citrus even at the present day however we find it but little used except for the leaves of tablets or as a veneer for couches tuberosities are also found on the alder but as much inferior to those already mentioned as the alder itself is to the maple in the maple the male tree is the first to blossom the trees that frequent dry spots are preferred to those that grow in watery localities which is the case also with the ash there is found in the countries beyond the alps a tree the wood of which is very similar to that of the white maple and which is known as the Stephylodendron. this tree bears a pod in which there is found a kernel which has the flavour of the hazelnut chapter twenty eight three varieties of the box tree One of the most highly esteemed of all the woods is the box, but it is seldom veined and then only the wood of the root. In other respects it is a wood, so to say, of quiet and unpretending appearance, but highly esteemed for a certain degree of hardness and its pallid hue. The tree, too, is very extensively employed in ornamental gardening. There are three varieties of it, the gallic box, which is trained to shoot upwards in a pyramidal form and attains a very considerable height the oleaster which is condemned as being utterly worthless and admits a disagreeable odour and a third known as the italian box a wild variety in my opinion which has been improved by cultivation this last spreads more than the others and forms a thick hedge it is an evergreen and is easily clipped the box-tree abounds on the pyrenean range the mountains of Cytorus, and the country about Beracynthus. the trunk grows to the largest size in the isle of corsica and its blossom is by no means despicable it is this that causes the honey there to be bitter the seed of the box is held in aversion by all animals that which grows upon mount olympus in macedonia is not more slender than the other kinds but the tree is of a more stunted growth it loves spots exposed to the cold winds and the sun in fire too it manifests all the hardness of iron it gives out no flame and is of no use whatever for the manufacture of charcoal chapter twenty nine the four varieties of the elm midway between the preceding ones and the fruit trees stands the elm partaking of the nature of the former in its wood being akin to the latter in the friendship which it manifests for the vine the greeks distinguish two varieties of this tree the mountain elm which is the larger of the two and that of the plains which is more shrubby italy gives the name of atinia to the more lofty kinds and gives the preference to those which are of a dry nature and will not grow in damp localities another variety is the gallic elm and a third the italian with leaves lying closer together and springing in greater numbers from a single stalk a fourth kind is the wild elm the atinia does not produce any samara that being the name given to the seed of the elm all the elms which grow from slips or cuttings and all of them with the exception of the atinia may be propagated from seed chapter thirty the natures of the various trees according to their localities the mountain trees, and the trees of the plains. Having now made mention of the more remarkable trees, it remains for me to state some general facts connected with them all. The cedar, the larch, the torch tree, and the other resinous trees prefer mountainous localities. The same is the case also with the aquifolia, the box, the oak, the juniper, the terebinth, the poplar, the wild mountain ash, and the elm on the apennines there is also found a shrub known as the cotinus famous for imparting to cloth a purple colour like that of the murex the fir the robur the chestnut the lime the oak, and the cornel will grow equally well on mountain or in valley while the maple the ash the service the linden and the cherry more particularly prefer a watery spot on the slope of a hilly declivity it is not often that we see the plum the pomegranate the olive the walnut the mulberry or the elder growing on an elevated site the cornel too the hazel the quercus the wild ash the maple the ash the beech and the yokel descend to the plains while the elm the apple the pear the laurel the myrtle the blood-red shrub the holm oak and the brooms that are employed in dyeing cloths all of them aspire to a more elevated locality The sorb, and even still more the birch, are fond of a cold site. This last is a native of Gaul, of singular whiteness and slender shape, and rendered terrible as forming the fasces of the magistracy. From its flexibility it is employed also in making circlets and the ribs of panniers. In Gaul, too, they extract a bitumen from it by boiling. To a cold site also belongs the thorn, which affords the most auspicious torches of all for the nuptial ceremony from the circumstances as massurius assures us that the shepherds on the occasion of the rape of the sabine women made their torches of the wood of this tree at the present day however the woods of the yoke elm and the hazel are more generally employed for this purpose chapter thirty one trees which grow on a dry soil those which are found in wet localities those which are found in both indifferently the cypress the walnut the chestnut and the laburnum are averse to water this last tree is also a native of the alps and far from generally known and the flowers which are a cubit in length no bee will ever touch the shrub too known as jupiter's beard manifests an equal dislike to water it is often clipped and is employed in ornamental gardening being of a round, bushy form with a silvery leaf. The willow, the alder, the poplar, the sila, and the privet, so extensively employed for making tallies, will only grow in damp, watery places, which is the case also with the vaccinium. grown in Italy for drugging our slaves, and in Gaul for the purpose of dyeing the garments of slaves a purple colour. All those trees which are common to the mountains and the plains grow to a larger size and are of the more comely appearance when grown on the plains while those found on the mountains have a better wood and more finely veined with the exception of the apple and the pear chapter thirty two division of trees into various species in addition to these particulars some of the trees lose their leaves while others again are evergreens before however we treat of this distinction it will be necessary first to touch upon another there are some trees that are altogether of a wild nature, while there are others again that are more civilized, such being the names by which man has thought fit to distinguish the trees. Indeed, these last, which by their fruits or some other beneficial property, or else by the shade which they afford, show themselves the benefactors of man, are not inappropriately called civilized trees. Chapter thirty three trees which do not lose their foliage the rhododendron trees which do not lose the whole of their foliage places in which there are no trees belonging to this last class there are the following trees which do not lose their leaves the olive the laurel the palm the myrtle the cypress the pine the ivy the rhododendron and although it may be rather called a herb than a tree the savin the rhododendron as its name indicates comes from greece by some it is known as the nerium and by others as the rhododaphne it is an evergreen bearing a strong resemblance to the rose tree and throwing out numerous branches from the stem to beasts of burden goats and sheep it is poisonous but for man it is an antidote against the venom of serpents the following among the forest trees do not lose their leaves the fir, the larch, the pinaster, the juniper, the cedar, the terebinth, the box, the holmoak, the aquifolia, the cork, the yew, and the tamarisk. A middle place between the evergreens and those which are not so is occupied by the Andrakli in Greece and by the Arbutus in all parts of the world. As they lose all their leaves with the exception of those at the top of the tree, Among certain of the shrubs, too, the bramble and the calamus, the leaves do not fall. In the territory of Thurii, where Sybaris formerly stood, from the city there was a single oak to be seen that never lost its leaves, and never used to bud before midsummer. It is a singular thing that this fact, which has been so often alluded to by the Greek writers, should have been passed over in silence by our own indeed so remarkable are the virtues that we find belonging to some localities that about memphis in egypt and at elephantina in thebes the leaves fall from none of the trees not the vine even chapter thirty four the nature of the leaves which wither and fall all of the trees with the exception of those already mentioned a list which it would be tedious to enumerate lose their leaves and it has been observed that the leaf does not dry up and wither unless it is thin, broad, and soft, while on the other hand the leaves that do not fall are those which are fleshy, thick, and narrow. It is an erroneous theory that the leaf does not fall in those trees, the juices of which are more unctuous than the rest. For who could make out that such is the case with the Holm Oak, for instance? Timaeus, the mathematician, is of opinion that the leaves fall where the sun is passing through the side of Scorpio, being acted upon by the influences of that luminary and a certain venom which exists in the atmosphere. But then we have a right to wonder how it is that the same reasons existing, the same influence is not exercised equally on all. The leaves of most trees fall in autumn, but in some at a later period, remaining on the tree till the approach of winter it making no difference whether they have germinated at an earlier period or a later seeing that some that are the very first to bud are among the last to lose their leaves the almond the ash and the elder for instance the mulberry on the other hand buds the last of all and loses its leaves among the very first the soil too exercises a very considerable influence in this respect the leaves falling sooner where it is dry and thin and, more particularly, when the tree is old. Indeed, there are many trees that lose them before the fruit is ripe, as in the case of the late fig, for instance, and the winter pear. On the pomegranate, too, the fruit, when ripe, beholds nothing but the trunk of the parent tree, and not even upon those trees which always retain their foliage do the same leaves always remain, for as others shoot up beneath them, the old leaves gradually wither away, This takes place about the solstices more particularly. Chapter 35, trees which have leaves of various colors, trees with leaves of various shapes, three varieties of the poplar. The leaves continue the same upon every species of tree with the exception of the poplar, the ivy and the croton, which we have already mentioned as being called the cycus. There are three kinds of poplar, the white, the black, and the one known as the Libyan poplar, with a very diminutive leaf and extremely black, much esteemed also from the fungi which grow from it. The white poplar has a party-coloured leaf, white on the upper side and green beneath. This poplar, as also the black variety, and the croton, have a rounded leaf when young, as though it had been described with a pair of compasses. But when it becomes older, the leaf throws out angular projections on the other hand the leaf of the ivy which is angular at first becomes rounder the older the tree from the leaves of the poplar there falls a very thick down upon the white poplar which it is said has a greater quantity of leaves than the others this down is quite white resembling locks of wool the leaves of the pomegranate and the almond are red chapter thirty six leaves which turn round every year We find a most remarkable and indeed a marvellous peculiarity existing in the elm, the lime, the olive, the white poplar and the willow. For immediately after the summer solstice, the leaves of these trees turn completely round. Indeed, we have no sign which indicates with greater certainty that that period has passed. These trees also present in their leaves the same difference that is to be observed in those of all the rest the underside which looks towards the ground is of a green grassy colour and has a smooth surface while the veins the callous skin and the articulations lie upon the upper face the veins making incisions in the part beneath like those to be seen upon the human hand the leaf of the olive is whiter above and not so smooth the same is the case too with that of the ivy the leaves of all trees turn every day towards the sun the object being that the underside may be warmed by its heat the upper surface of them all has a down upon it in however small quantity it may be in some countries this down is used as a kind of wool chapter thirty seven the care bestowed on the leaves of the palm and the uses to which they are applied we have already said that in the east strong ropes are made of the leaves of the palm and that they are improved by lying in the water. Among ourselves, too, the leaves of the palm are generally plucked immediately after harvest, the best being those that have no divisions in them. These leaves are left to dry under cover for four days, after which they are spread out in the sun and left out in the open air all night till they have become quite white and dry. After this, they are split before they are put to any use. Chapter 38 remarkable facts connected with leaves the broadest leaves are those of the fig the vine and the plane, while those of the myrtle the pomegranate and the olive are narrow the leaf of the pine and the cedar is fine and resembles hair while that of the holly and one variety of the oak is prickly indeed in the juniper we find a thorn in place of a leaf the leaf of the cypress and the tamarisk is fleshy and that of the alder is remarkable for its thickness in the reed the willow and the palm the leaf is long and in the latter tree it is double as well that of the pear is rounded and it is pointed in the apple in the ivy the leaf is angular and in the plane, divided in the pitch tree and the fir the leaf is indented like the teeth of a cone while in the robur it is sinuous on the whole of the outer margin In the bramble, it has a spiny surface. In some plants, the leaf has the property of stinging, the nettle, for instance, while in the pine, the pitch tree, the fir, the larch, the cedar and the holly, it is prickly. In the olive and the home oak, it has a short stalk, in the vine, a long one. In the poplar, the stalk of the leaf is always quivering, and the leaves of this tree are the only ones that make a crackling noise when coming in contact with another. In one variety of the apple tree, we find a small leaf protruding from the very middle of the fruit, sometimes, indeed, a couple of them. Then again, in some trees, the leaves are arranged all round the branches, and in others, at the extremities of them, while in the roboa, they are found upon the trunk itself. They are sometimes thick and close, and at others, thinly scattered, which is more particularly the case where the leaf is large and broad. In the myrtle, they are symmetrically arranged in the box concave and upon the apple scattered without any order or regularity in the apple and the pear we find several leaves issuing from the same stalk and in the elm and the stisus they are covered with ramified veins to the above particular cato adds that the leaves of the poplar and the quercus should not be given to cattle after they have fallen and become withered and he recommends the leaves of the fig the homework and the ivy for oxen the leaves too of the reed and the laurel are sometimes given them to eat the leaves of the service tree fall all at once but in the others only by degrees this much in reference to the leaves end of section four